back to Sancho's boys, and today, so early in our journey, we have already reached the promised land. This is your co-host, Tim Amatuli. And I'm Chris Cote. So today we're talking about Sanchiro Sugata, Kurosawa's 1943 official quote-unquote directorial debut, ignoring Uma, the half-subject of our episode last week. I was very excited to re-watch Sanchiro Sugata, because I had only seen it once on my phone in the New Orleans airport, so not exactly the most optimal viewing experience. Yeah, it was a little bit better on a, a full-screen TV. Yeah, so I was happy to like the film more. Definitely, yeah. Would you say that uh, that improved the experience for you? <laughs> I highly recommend watching this movie on a television and not a phone. Have you seen you seen the David Lynch clip? No. Where he, he's like, he was like, the idea that people think they could watch a movie on a fucking telephone <laughs> that's so funny get real <laughs> yeah he's a king yeah the film was based on the novel by tsuneo tomita a novel that you can't really find in english it's a very domestic novel to japan i think i don't know is it a famous book do you know i have never heard of it outside of kurosawa it's also been adapted a few other times in subsequent years i think it's been adapted four times so probably a fairly popular book in japan but not really outside of it yeah and back in 1943 during wartime japan the only movies that could really make it past the censors were these kind of entertainment movies that weren't super critical or or otherwise they were just propaganda yeah it's just like today yeah, and he like makes he ends up making a lot of movies that are based on books, right? A lot of the books that Akira Kurosawa bases his films on are more Western. He loves Russian literature and Shakespeare. So it's interesting to see him adapt a domestic novel this time. He's very into like the Western literary canon, but for his first movie, it's a Japanese novel, which is cool. And before we get into it, we do need to call out the first major thing about this film, and that is the fact that about 20 minutes of it is missing. <laughs> Yeah, a critical 20 minutes that it would have been really nice to watch, but unfortunately, you can't. Yeah, we just can't seem to catch a break with these early Kurosawa films, because last time we could barely see it and we couldn't understand it. This time, we could see it and understand it, except for the parts that were unfortunately trimmed by the Japanese censors and they weren't preserved. So in its place, there are title cards that are in the version that's available to watch in the United States, at least. At first, I didn't realize that that part was missing. I thought I was like, oh, there's a title card. Maybe that's a thing in movies. And I was like, wait a minute. This is a title card explaining a very critical scene that definitely would have been in the film. It sucks because it definitely handicaps the movie a little bit and it can really only be so good. I do think that this is a good film and that there's a lot of stuff to talk about with it, but we'll never see the real full thing, which I think is so disappointing. Yeah, it's a shame. Because we do miss crucial parts of Sanchiro's character development. Mm. My favorite intertitle is, Yano has taught him what life is. Yeah, that whole intertitle is like, <laughs> this is the emotional climax of the film, and you're not going to see it, but trust us, it would have been very good. Also, a major character is introduced in a cut scene, and oh, yeah. she doesn't appear in the movie again for a while. Yeah, that ends up being kind of confusing because because there's that other woman. Yeah, that, uh, yeah, there's two women in the film and they introduce one. Not. <laughs> yeah, so that's uh, that's one of the issues with transporting the film to modern America and just missing whole chunks of it. But anyway, let's get into the film. This film follows its titular character, Sinchiro Sugata, a brawny new judo student who is skilled but unfocused, using his talents to get into street fights. His teacher, Shigeru Yano, scolds him for his ways, and Sinchiro proves his willingness to learn by jumping into a cold swamp, holding onto a wooden stake until he nearly dies. From this, Sugata is reborn and becomes one of the school's best students. He engages in multiple fights throughout the film, including a competition held by the local police force, which pits the judo and jujitsu schools against each other. Sugata faces off against Hansuke Morai, the father of Seo, a local woman whom both Sugata and Gensuko Hagaki are attracted to. Hagaki challenges Sugata to a fight to the death. 
Our protagonist emerges victorious in every match and leaves town for his next assignment, promising Seo that he will return to her. Yeah, uh, that, that's what happened. Yep. And uh, if it feels a little weird to have characters kind of come in and out, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's how it felt in the movie, too. <laughs> All of a sudden, there's a villain introduced halfway through, and he's the most villain-looking person you've ever seen in your life. It's very obvious. Yeah, it, Japanese Charlie Chaplin. Yeah, Japanese Charlie <laughs> Chaplin. He's like the main villain. Snake Plissken-looking <laughs> mother, uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the, the proto-snake. Yeah, it's very obvious kind of, characters kind of project who they are on their sleeves in this film, but that's fine. Well, yeah, which is, is I think, a thing that Kurosawa tends to do anyway. The design of his characters and the way that he brings out aspects of them in the weather or in the scenery, like, all plays a part in communicating who they are. I think he does a good job with it. What are your initial thoughts on Sanshiro Sugata? So I thought the film was... Very domestic, uh, not gonna lie. Like, it's it's a good movie, it's very solidly built. You can tell Kurosawa knows all the parts of a film, knows how to put them together solidly, but just there, it didn't feel like there was much more to it for me. But yeah, I thought it was, like, a good movie. You could tell there's, like, a lot of promise, but it didn't have these grand themes or these amazing passages like some of his later films will. It was good, though. I liked it. It was a perfectly solid movie, yeah. I definitely think that Sancho Sugat is a good movie. I don't consider it one of Kurosawa's best, and I do think that, again, so unfortunate to not have the whole thing, because it could, you know, rank significantly higher, I think, later on. But I, I do enjoy it. I do like Sanchiro. Like, he's just kind of yeah. like a cute, brawny guy. That like... Sanchiro, let, let's you know... let's be honest, folks. Sanchiro is a total himbo. That's the first thing I thought when I watched this film. That's what I thought by the end of the film. He's just a big, dumb, hot guy who <laughs> is trying his best. Which was funny. I didn't expect that character from a Kurosawa film, especially his first movie. He's, like, surprisingly handsome, but also surprisingly, like, uncharismatic in a way, just because he's so dumb. <laughs> or not, like, dumb, but... <laughs> <laughs> he just he's just so like he's like he's he's doughy yeah he's like doughy and happy to be there he's muscular but doughy yeah it's like he has like a well well-made face like he seems classically attractive but just i can't imagine talking to the guy he's just so like <laughs> like blank i don't know reading through kurosawa's autobiography when he talks about sancho sugata he discusses the fact that he really likes unformed characters and I think that's something we're going to see a lot of later on, is he likes to track a character's progression from nothing into something. And I, I think that that's super clear in Sanshiro Sugata, you know, this big guy that doesn't really know how to control his strength, who becomes very disciplined and strong. Yeah, I would say unformed is a good way to describe Sanshiro at the beginning of the film. He just kind of literally shows up, the film doesn't give you any context, he just walks up to a group of people looking for a jujitsu school. Very much a clean slate for which Kurosawa to make the film after. So he's introduced to jujitsu, but then learns about judo. The movie takes place in 1882, and this is around the time that judo started appearing throughout Japan, and there's like this mystique to it, this new martial arts form. Kurosawa like really focuses on the spiritual aspects. It's definitely not just about the fighting. There's something spiritual there, and it's very much so about like the inner life of the character. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's an entertaining film with its fights. It also has the benefit of being very short. Yeah. <laughs> even, even shorter with the cut content. Is the runtime an hour and 19 minutes? Just to be sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's like a short 80, film. It's like 79 minutes or something. So, like, it's an entertaining film, but it isn't, you know, all about the fights. It is about this character development of Sanshiro and the various fights, you know, kind of benchmark key points in his progression as a character. The unfortunate thing is that a lot of his character development does happen off screen, which it's understandable considering the circumstances that the film is created. It just is unfortunate that we miss some of it. 
because he really is a different person by the end of it. Oh yeah, no, in the beginning he's very much so just, like you said, unfocused, kind of clueless. He has a good heart, not even really, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe has like the hint of a good heart within him, but really just the guy who likes to get into fights. And by the end, there is a lot more to him. He's... I don't know, kind of more of like an upstanding citizen, if you could say that. He has like a purpose to his life, which I think his master criticizes him for at the early in the film. He says like, you don't know what life's about. <laughs> I really love the scene of him jumping in the swamp and grabbing onto the stake and, you know, almost dying. Yeah. He has this sort of rebirth in the swamp. You know, water is often used as a symbol in that regard. He starts to realize his own mistakes and where he wants to go as a person, which I definitely relate to. And it's really nice to see someone actually going through with it and putting his body and spirit together through this mental challenge. Yeah, I thought that was a really good scene, and it was very cool to see that. I guess that metaphor of spiritual rebirth play out cinematically in that scene. I thought it was like a really clever scene. I assume it happens in the novel. And I was, I was really impressed for up until that point, you know, the previous scene, he's just fighting people, and he's kicking their asses, but up until that point, like, there wasn't much emotional content to the film, and that really, like, kicks it off with that scene. I thought it was very impressive. It's also one of the first times that the film uses music. Yeah. Their music is fairly fleeting in it. Uh, I think that's also a byproduct of the time, because there just wasn't as much. There were, like, a lot of movies from their 40s, just a lot of dead silence, or just focused on talking. So I think the music comes in at really key points in the narrative and really makes it more impactful. I think that that scene especially, it's very, very moving. So what do you think of the fights? So this is actually a thing I was a little bit confused about. Watching this movie, it would seem that fighting in Japan is basically whoever can put the other person onto the ground first. Is that correct? Can you confirm that? Do you know anything more about it? Well, <laughs> that is actually what sumo is. Sumo, you lose as soon as you touch the ground, so... Well, that seemed like every fight in yes, this film. Yes and no. But, okay, so when he's fighting in, in early in the film... Not the scene where they get knocked into the water, because that's very obviously a fight-ending move if you get la launched into <laughs> the canal. Yeah, if you get dunked. But the second scene, he's fighting just, like, a ton of people in, like, this street fight, and it seems like his mini-fights end the second the person touches the ground, even if they'd be totally fine. And I didn't know if that was a, a little cinematic touch where that person becomes unimportant, or if that's actually, like, how fighting is considered in Japan. I think it's more the latter. Even later on, if you get knocked to the ground, that's a big deal in the fight. Yeah, I think Sanshiro Sugata specializes in dealing out internal damage to people, because he kills somebody in one of these fights. Yeah. Throws the guy against the wall, there's, like, that cool slow-mo, silent window falling on him, and... We find out later that guy died. Like, I did not expect that guy to yeah, die. Yeah, Sakura is very powerful. The fighting was good, and I, I thought the fighting scenes were very cool, but I was a little confused just coming from my perspective. I was like, is this what fighting is like in Japan? Just get them to the ground as soon as possible. This is definitely not a karate film, or this isn't a film with a lot of high-speed fighting. Reading Donald Ritchie's book is very interesting. That He points out that Akira Kurosawa's movies pretty much are always about practice and theory, reality versus illusion. The battle for Kurosawa is really spiritual rather than physical. His fights always begin with this immobility, this like so much time in each fight where they're just kind of staring down each other. When he faces off against the jujitsu school, he's like sweating before anything even happens. Yeah. They stand there for like a while. Like The, the film keeps doing fades and they're just still not fighting. Yeah, yeah, about to fight. Yeah, there's a really long time built up to that fight, and it's a little yeah, insane. It's like, an air, it's like airplane level, or like uh, Jordan Peele level sweat, yeah. like, coming off of each of them before they even fight. But then, you know, when they spring into action, Sanchiro really screws people up. Yeah, he is a good fighter, as the film indicates. In fact, he's such a good fighter that the kids in the town start saying, oh, there goes Sanchiro, don't touch him or I'll kill you. Um, 
It was really wild. <laughs> yeah, I love that. This the the kids that are singing all the time and they're just roasting. They're singing that running past them. I'm like, those kids are brave. I've seen what this guy can do. <laughs> yeah, he might seem like a big nice guy, but he can and will kill. If anyone is ever talking about this movie, the scene they're going to talk about is the final fight, which takes place out in the countryside where there's all this wind blowing as Sanshiro faces off against Higaki to a fight to the death. Yeah, that scene is almost shocking in comparison to the rest of the film, which is very like indoor, calm, controlled environment. And then suddenly there's this explosive ending where you're out in this windy field, there's barley or wheat or something, person high, barley all over the place. It's an incredibly powerful scene that it's surprising. But it makes sense as the climax of the film. Yeah, and I definitely think it works as a contrast to the rest of it, because now he's outside of the established rules of judo and everything. He's now in a death match, and this is totally different, yeah, than the ringside fights. Even though they do have a referee, which I think is interesting. I guess you don't have a referee, and you, you could just kill someone, and you could do whatever you wanted. So I guess it's a kind of <laughs> standard control. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a formal fight to the death. It's it's not one of those, yeah, street alley fights that he got in before. But that scene is really, really crazy. I really like the way that Kurosawa fades the flower from the swamp over him as he's being choked out and dying. Yeah. Sanshiro has this emotional moment of pulling back to his rebirth and gaining the strength again instead of giving up. Doing the same sorts of fights that he had done when he was a brawny, uneducated youth, but now as a more composed judo master. And he doesn't kill Higaki. Higaki is still alive by the end of this movie, even though he is injured. And we will see him in the sequel. But yeah, no, that scene when the flower from the beginning, which is, you know, the two great scenes in the movie, scene in the water and the scene at the end, that flower really ties them together. And it's a, it's a very, I think, poetic move by Kurosawa, who you can accuse of being, you know, a guy who just likes fighting and who likes samurais <laughs> and all this kind of masculine stuff. But he really does have, I think, a poet's heart. And that scene really shows it. I think that the movie is a really great indicator of a lot of Kurosawa's style and his promise for the future. Even if it doesn't come together, in the most coherent whole, especially with the censorship, it still shows a lot of promise, which I think for a debut film, this is really good. Yeah, debut films are hard. Also throughout this movie, Kurosawa uses wipe transitions, which is definitely an influence on Star Wars, but also is something that he uses a lot. They're not as conventional as, you know, fades or just simple cutting. He really, really likes to use them. I didn't have any thoughts on that, but we'll see how that progresses in his filmmaking. Get, 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 just get, get ready for them. You're going you're gonna to see them a lot. Look, I love a good wipe. And this film is also the first of 21 appearances of Takashi Shimura, ah. the real MVP of Kurosawa's filmography. Toshiro Mifune only appeared in 16 of Kurosawa's movies, and Takashi Shimura is 21, yet Mifune is still his golden boy. <laughs> Mifune is the, the young, hot guy that everyone loves to love. He's the new hotness. Takashi Shimura, I mean, showing up in his first film, being the most of them, he is like, real heads know that he is Kurosawa's prized actor, and he does an amazing job in his movies. Yeah, he really gets fucked up, <laughs> like... I thought his character was actually very sweet. At first I was like, I don't know who this old man is. I guess he's just... Yeah, well, because we missed his introduction yeah. because it was cut. He's just the jujitsu fighter. It's kind of wild that this old man is fighting Senshiro, who's young and thick as hell. <laughs> and liable to wreck him, which he does. But then afterward, there's a very touching scene where Senshiro sits by his bedside. And it's actually very sweet. Takashi Shimura is playing Hanske Murai. And he's the father of Sayo, who is the main love interest in this movie. And... I think we were, we're both a little confused by her character. Yeah, the underdeveloped love interest in this film. <laughs> the Tacton uh, love story. Yeah, again, her introduction is missing from the film, 
And when Sanshiro has that fight where he kills a guy, the film really focuses in on this one woman, and I naturally assume that that's Sayo because we know that there's this woman that's going to be in the film and we just happen to miss her. So then when she doesn't recognize Sanshiro later, I got really confused. Yeah. Sayo's really worried about her father because she knows that he's going to fight Sanshiro and he's going to lose. And yet when she sees Sanshiro, she has no idea who he is. It's the weird thing where like, that isn't really the film's fault because Kurosawa didn't have that intentionally. It's just that that's what's left. And so for modern audiences, you're going to get a little confused by that. I also thought that there were multiple. Like, I thought that Sayo might have had a sister. Yeah, it is very confusing. Who is the woman that stares at Sanchiro after that fight? I don't yeah, know. I again? think yeah, it's, it's just, just an extra. Yeah, just the woman who is pissed at Sanchiro for killing that. Oh, I think it's, she might have been the sister of the man who died. Oh, maybe. I, I truthfully, I don't know. And it even flashes back to that woman again at one point when Sancho was thinking about her. And I was like, oh, yeah, he's thinking about Sayo, but he's not. Yeah, it is very confusing. I think the first time you do actually see Sayo, she is praying at an altar. You learn later that she's praying for her father not to die in his fight with Sanchiro. But Sanchiro sees that and he's with his master and like, oh, such a sweet, wonderful woman. And then Sanchiro later falls in love with her. And, and actually a, a very cute scene and series of scenes. You know, what was cute was that train that they were on when they were leaving. Like, <laughs> yeah, cute little train engine. I love it. That was sweet. Their love story was, it was very much so, you know, I don't know, it was not a <laughs> great dramatic love story for the ages. And so now let's talk about our favorite shots from the film. What was yours? So my favorite shot is when Senshiro and Sayo are standing on that really long staircase that they meet cute on, and they continue to meet there a few times. And I think the the final time they talk, right when they, like, you start to tell they like each other right before Senshiro reveals who he is and it gets very awkward, the camera is basically behind this fence post in it, and you see them beautifully framed inside this fence. It was, like, very Ozu-inspired almost, the way it looked to me, a very symmetrical shot. With like a long tail and limited space. I just thought it was a beautiful shot. It's the first time, or one of the first times in the film where I was like, wow, like that's, that's nice. Yeah, it does have that Ozu kind of quality to it. It's really nice to have the frame within a frame created by the Tori Gate. Yeah, I love that stuff. My favorite shot is the wide when we first go to the field for the final fight, where it's Sanshiro amongst just the roaring wind in the field. I really like it because it has so much dynamic movement in it. The clouds overhead are moving extremely fast. The wind is blowing onto him and he's standing perfectly still. There's a lighter background behind him and he's dressed entirely in dark robes. So he has really good contrast. He's perfectly centered. Everything draws attention to him and it has this chaotic yet serene feel to it. So I think that it's really, really beautiful. Yeah, that's probably one of the... Like, one of the most, like, dynamic and interesting shots in the whole film. Definitely dynamic. There are dynamic shots throughout, but if anyone remembers any scene from Sanshiro Sugata, it's the ending. And I think with good reason. Doesn't that uh, whole kind of idea of this fight in the grass, doesn't that go on to inspire, like, many, like, in life? I've seen, like, cartoons and things like that since then. One of the fights in Masaki Kobayashi's Harakiri is definitely inspired by this. There's something about two people standing off and having everything else moving around them, but they're perfectly still. It still ties into that immobility of fighting that Kurosawa is so interested in. I definitely think that this scene in particular has a influence on other Japanese filmmakers and filmmakers throughout the world. People come to this film more than other ones from this time. It may not be high drama, but I think that you can kind of view Sanchiro Sugata as like a tech demo for Kurosawa. This movie really proved his ability to the studios and allowed him to keep developing films over time. And I would say that really the only criticism of this movie that's... They're big criticisms, but it's the loss of footage and Sayo's introduction. Other than that, the film is pretty run-of-the-mill, but really well-made, yeah, domestic drama. And entertaining. And again, it's so fleeting and quick that it really is just a harmless watch. If you want to know Kurosawa, it's his first film, and it's 
it, it's a good enjoyable movie hard to grasp just he has a very solid grasp of filmmaking even from the very beginning and then you'll see like it developed to an amazing unparalleled grasp of filmmaking but yeah even from the beginning it's a very just solid good movie yeah, I mean, I, I'll probably rank it, you know, like around like a 7 or 7.5. I can't go above that with the stuff that's missing. I think I ended up giving it three and a half stars. Yeah, it's a shame. It's possible with that missing stuff actually in it would have been a very impressive debut film. But without it, it's hard. Who knows? Maybe those scenes sucked. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's a, a great first film and a, a great way to start the Kurosawa retrospective. Sanjiro Sugata Part 2 we'll get to in a few weeks. This movie is called The Judo Saga in Japan, and it's interesting that this is one of only two Kurosawa movies to get a sequel. Other than that, it's 28 original films and only, yeah, two that ever really build on each other. There are spiritual sequels, but none that have direct narrative tie-ins. And even then, the narrative tie-in is pretty minimal. Yeah, it's just the same character, really. I guess. But this this film was very, very popular in Japan. Yeah. No, I'm not surprised that this was a... You can almost call this a blockbuster of 1940s uh, golden age Japanese domestic drama cinema. Yeah, and we will be back next week with his next film, The Most Beautiful. This is the earliest Kurosawa movie, not counting Uma, that I haven't seen. Will it be the most beautiful film? Yes, will The Most Beautiful be Kurosawa's most beautiful film? I doubt it, because it's not the one anyone talks about. Almost certainly not. I said last week that Kurosawa's early movies are propaganda movies. This one isn't really so, Yeah. but I have a feeling the next one is. So yeah, we'll be back next week with our review of The Most Beautiful. Peace. <laughs>